Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Okay, if you can take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12, and we'll start with verse 6, and when you find it, you can stand in honor of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 12. In verse 6. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried out unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought you forth out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them to the hand of Sisera, captain of the hosts of Hazar, and into the land of the Philistines, and into the land of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. And now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And ye dwelled safe. And when ye saw that Nahash the king of the children of Ammon came against you, ye said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore behold the king whom ye have chosen, and whom ye have desired. And behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. If ye will fear the Lord, and serve him, and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And so the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for the, uh, thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, 
yet turn aside, but turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then shall ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his name's sake, because he hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is contained therein. And whatever circumstance we find ourselves, we know we can turn to your word for the answers. And when the circumstances are such that we have not gone that way before, you still have the answers. And we pray, I pray that you will give me the correct words to say, that it will be received in an appropriate way, and that we can leave here at the um, end of this time saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We now find ourselves without a pastor at Open Bible. I don't think there's anybody in here, uh, although we do have some members that were here 53 years ago, when that situation um, took past, but uh, for they're not, uh, most of them are not here. There might be a couple that were here 53 years ago. But uh, this is something God knew that was going to happen. It's part of his plan. Many churches seek out a new pastor every four, five, 10, 15 years. Having a long-term pastor is somewhat unusual in churches across the United States. But we have heard some great preaching the last two months on how to help us prepare for this transition. And this morning I want to try to expand on some of those truths that have already been talked about, maybe give, go a little bit more specific, and to share with you some additional Bible principles. In the passage we just read, Samuel is talking to the children of Israel about making a transition. It's not quite the same transition we're making. We're not looking for a king. Uh, we're not really rejecting God's uh, man of the doing with judges. But we're just looking for another pastor in the church framework that he set up and he's ordained to have a pastor in charge. Uh, he goes on to expand um, a lot about the pastor in Titus and in 1 Timothy. Entire chapters are um, dealt with that, that topic. And we're using the, those chapters in our search even for a pastor as the deacons. But Samuel here is talking to the children of Israel. In this case, uh, th there are also many other examples are found in the Bible about transition. Moses takes uh, much of the book of Deuteronomy to talk about transition and, and reviewing what has been taught, um, he has taught earlier uh, as they're ready to go into the promised land. Deuteronomy 29, 12, and 13 give you a couple examples of some of what Moses is saying and where it says, 
that thou should enter into the covenant of the Lord thy God and into his oath, which the Lord God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God as he has sworn unto thy fathers, and to Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob. He's reminding them of their heritage and how that God has worked in the past, but is also going to work in the future. Joshua, at the end of his leadership, shares with the people the history of the Israelites in Joshua chapter 24, and then states in Joshua 24, 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Samuel goes on as the judges are ending and the time of the kings is going to be starting and the verse that we've already read, but a key one is uh, Samuel 12, 14, where it says, if we will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. And this morning, I want to share with you from Samuel, uh, the passage we've read is, um, here, three basic principles that I think we can use uh, for the, what the situation we're going through and really with any type challenge that, we're going, uh, that you're going through. But Samuel reminds them of their relationship with God and his faithfulness. And in Samuel 12, we've, the verses we've read also, 6 and 7, and Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advances Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all, uh, before the Lord of the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did, and to your fathers. Uh, back in 1968, the Lord advanced the man we know today as preacher to fulfill the pastorate. Uh, Eleven years ago, the Lord advanced our, our former pastor. Uh, and just like he has shown faithfulness to the patriarchs and to the children of Israel, uh, God's also shown faithfulness to our pastors and former members and current members that are here, here over the years. But look a little bit of the people that Samuel was referring to, of some of the patriarchs. Abraham, he trusted in God to leave the land of his birth. Several moves would take him to the promised land. When he first left Ur of the Chaldees, he didn't know where he was going. But sort of like us, we're not quite sure what the future is going to hold. But we know there's going to be a future. And we know there's going to be a new pastor. And Abraham knew, trusted in God, and God told him to sacrifice even his son. Not knowing what that outcome was be, but in Romans chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. His son Isaac, who did grow to a full man, and not only saw his son 
and but also saw his grandson, uh, uh, Joseph. But he also trusted in God and accepted God's sovereignty in his life. Jacob had a lot to learn. He had some hard lessons uh, God taught him, but he also trusted in God and God blessed him. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional family, moving often as a young child, uh, some to flee from enemies. He lost his mother before the age of 12. He learned godly principles from both his dad and his grandfather. He accepted God's will in his life. He was a slave at the age of 17, and uh, five, seven years later, he was in prison, but he stayed faithful to God. Uh, where those aren't circumstances we're finding ourselves in, of going to prison or being a slave, but yet we can learn from that him to stay faithful in whatever circumstances we find ourselves and allow God to take control of our life and Joseph eventually led him to being a key leader in Egypt. Moses, God allowed him to grow up in the Egyptian palace for 40 years. He learned about God from his parents, but he didn't really take it into practice. And God had to, he did stay faithful to God, but God also had to teach him on the backside of the desert for the next 40 years. Then at the age of 80, God um, eventually led him to being a key leader in Egypt because, uh, and as he continued to stay faithful. Joshua, as Moses' faithful assistant, he would go on to lead the children of Israel with God's help to conquer the Promised Land. Each man at a time and a place in the history of what we know as the Bible and in, uh, in the, the, during the Old Testament. But we, in an open Bible, also have a history of how God has worked over the past 72 years in our church history. And I want to look back a little bit about that and share with you some of um, the, the, the past at this time and look a little bit about the history of open Bible. In the years Following World War II, the man here and his wife, Joel Johnson, was pastoring an area Methodist church. His church was still in the convention, but he was resisting the convention's support of modernism and the ecumenical movement. Things finally came to a head when the convention superintendent insisted that he leave the church because he was not using the convention literature and not promoting the social gospel that the convention wanted him to uh, promote. But yet Pastor Joel Johnston firmly believed that a fundamental Bible-believing church with a separated testimony that preached the simple gospel should be established in the Williamstown, Sicklerville area. The first services of Open Bible Church, as the church name was originally called, were held on January 7, 1949, with 13 people and Joel Johnston as their pastor. During the first year, church services were held in homes, a barn, and the American Legion Hall. 
The church was given an acre of land that first year on Blue Anchor Road in Winslow at the edge of a farm owned by Joyce Fernelli's parents. Here we see the first building of the Open Bible Church. It was basically a basement. That was the entrance door. The rest of it was unfinished cinder block. That's what it looked like with tar paper over the top. When they built it, the thought was there might be a second floor. Uh, that never happened. The two little boys in the center, one of them is Tim Wright. <laughs> Pastor Johnson pastored Open Bible from 1949 to 1953. There was one wedding held in that church. And you can see sort of what the inside of that building looked like uh, there. And, um, but that wedding, well, the only wedding in that first church was to unite uh, Betty and Henry Clee. Today she, we know her as, Henry, as Honey Clee. The next pastor of Open Bible, the second pastor, uh, was Baden Brown. He was the pastor from 1954 to 1958, during the time that he was taking seminary classes in Philadelphia. During his ministry, the church decided to purchase land on Howard Drive in Williamstown because it was considered where the basement church on Blue Anchor Road was way too far out in the country for people to come and they wanted a church more in town that people would um, maybe come to more. And the first uh, service on, at the Howard Drive Church, 145 people showed up and, uh, or, were, or were there for the groundbreaking service, not an actual first service in 58. And this uh, is another picture before the Howard Drive Church was taken. This is back in the, uh, in the uh, Blue Anchor Church. And this was with Pastor Brown. He was conducting a early baby dedication service. And the baby today we know as Sandy Wilson and her parents. Uh, the next pastor was Pastor Russell Clark. He was a former missionary to Alaska and he became the third pastor from 1959 to 1962. During his ministry, the, in 1960, Open Bible started meeting in the Howard Drive building. Services, again, were being held in the basement until construction was um, taking place in the auditorium. The Howard Drive Church here is before they even put the steeple on. Uh, and this was closer to a populated area and was thought to be able to attract more people. If you're not familiar with Howard Drive, it's one of the streets that goes off from Main Street, uh, what do we call North Main Street in Williamstown. In 1963, the church name was changed to what we know today as Open Bible Baptist Church. Pastor Edward Abbott became the fourth pastor. Uh, shortly after he graduated from seminary. During his ministry, 
attendance increased from about 60 to 90 people. And for over six years, church services and church activities took place in the basement. And that's another in the forefront is again, Pastor Abbott and his wife. And then it looks like it's some sort of meal that's taking place in the uh, basement where they again were meeting for the, during the six years. In 1967, church services moved upstairs to the completed auditorium of the Harwood Drive Church. You see any similarities between the front of that church and this building? <laughs> A little bit bigger here, but sort of some of the same um, architectural um, design. Later that year of 67, the Abbots moved to Mexico as missionaries. Uh, he would later come back and preach many times here at Open Bible. Um, they, uh, Mrs. Abbott still lives in, Mex in Mexico today in a house that uh, a three-bedroom rancher that members of the Open Bible Baptist Church built in a week's time in 2003. Pastor George Riddell III was the fifth pastor who came in 1968. When he and his wife arrived in Williamstown, they had a 10-month-old baby, boy. 50 people were attendants at the church when he came in 1968. Uh, by the time, this is the auditorium, a little close-up of the front of the auditorium at the Howard Drive Church, but by 1972, there were 200 people attending the church. And the next year, in 1973, there were 360 people attending the church. The Howard Drive Church was quickly becoming too crowded, even with two services and um, Sunday school classes meeting in buses. After much prayer and to meet the needs of the growing church, property was purchased on New Brooklyn Road. This picture shows, um, again, the basement, uh, and they, weren't go they didn't stop with the basement in this, uh, when they went to this third church. They continued to build the auditorium uh, before the move took place. In 1964, the church moved to their new auditorium on 19 acres on New Brooklyn Road. A bus ministry was started in 1970 that would see over 200, it would see over 700 people being picked up on 18 buses at its uh, high point. Uh, by uh, and that was about in 1979. Victory Christian School was started in 1976 and would see over 400 students five years later. Uh, this is an aerial shot of the ministry probably about 1976, 77. The gymnasium and the first four classrooms are shown here. Uh, you'll notice also those are flat-roofed buildings. They're not that way today. Uh, Victory, uh, about the same time in another location Victory House, a home for troubled girls, was started. Victory Productions was started that produced Christian tapes 
and records. A teenager ministry for retired people was also started. But the rapid growth that the church saw in the 1970s basically still had the financial structure of a 100-person church. And there was limited financial controls that resulted in a financial crisis as by 1981, the church found themselves $1.3 million in debt. And you would say circumstances seem to be such that the ministry might end up even having to close. But by God's grace, selling of some other property not located here on New Brooklyn Road, the giving of God's people, and the help of a Christian financial organization known as BAEC, the church was able to be debt-free by 1988. The 1990s and the 2000s would see missionary trips to help build buildings and the Abbott's ministries in Mexico. Mission trips to Wyoming uh, to um, help support another member that had um, left our church uh, that we still support um, uh, to even today and increased missionary support worldwide and sending out church members to become pastors and um, missionaries uh, around the United States and other areas. Site improvements included remodeling of this auditorium. The stage used to be about this high. And uh, the uh, air conditioning, the other building, uh, peaked roofs on the building we know today as the Connection Building. This is before that construction. And adding brick to the building exterior. Pastor Rodell III, the man we now know as preacher, retired after 43 years as the pastor of Open Bible. Pastor George Rodell IV, which most of you obviously are familiar with, left a ministry in Ohio in 2010 to become the sixth pastor of Open Bible. Pastor Dell has continued the trend of strong Bible preaching, salvation preaching, and teaching Bible principles for Christian growth. During his ministry, we have seen an increased emphasis of spreading the gospel worldwide and in our local community. Key programs have included assembling and sending out John and Romans Bibles in many languages, the Grace Giving Program to support worldwide missions, and a variety of local outreaches to win our community for Christ. But as we think on the past, and even also look toward the future, but where have a heritage, but we're not going to just rest on our heritage. We're going to move forward. And God is faithful, not only to people in the Old Testament, New Testament, but he's also been unfaithful to uncold Christians that have lived since the Bible has been written. And he's faithful to our church today. Uh, if God is faithful to us in the past, 
We need to be like him and to be faithful in the future. Uh, during this time of transition and when the new man eventually gets here. First, our relationships with God has to start, and for most of you it has started, with accepting him as our personal savior. To acknowledge our sin before a holy God and to realize that our sin is to keep us from a relationship from God. Trusting God to save us from the penalty of our sin and being willing to give him control of our lives. Salvation is not one and done, but it's something that in our Christian life, it's continuing to give, allow the Lord to have control of our lives. As a Christian that has accepted Jesus as our Savior, it should be our goal to learn more about him through the reading and studying of the Bible. A daily practice, communicating with him through prayer, serving him through the local church, and sharing the gospel with others. In our relationship with God, the one that God would, is our relationship with God, one that he would be pleased with. Are we truly spending time in prayer, reading God's word, serving in the church? Can we say that it is our goal to be faithful with God? Are our actions one that show faithfulness to God? And as Samuel reminds them of their relationship with God, we're remain, uh, looking at our relationship with God. But the second point we want to look at this morning is uh, Samuel reminds them of his relationship with God's people. In Samuel 12, 23, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Yes, they prayed in the Old Testament. Uh, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. I want to go through several key areas that we need to pray for. We need to pray for others. 1 Timothy 1-2, I exhort you therefore that first of all supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. 1 Corinthians 12-25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Romans 1.9 For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. As we pray for our church family, we frequently pray for those that are sick. We don't want people to be sick. Uh, sometimes people are sick because of things that God wants them to learn. Sometimes people are sick because he wants us to learn and to pray faithfully for them. A lot of different reasons. Usually we're fairly good at praying for those that are sick. But another key thing that was just mentioned in one of those verses, and particularly at this time, 
we need to pray that each one of us will avoid temptation to do wrong. Satan is going to try to trip us up. And we need to pray that that won't happen. There's going to be temptation to not be faithful, not to serve God, uh, not to attend church, or a variety of other things. But we need to pray for each other that we will be able to avoid the temptation. Having the wrong thought is not wrong. It's acting on that wrong thought that makes the temptation sin. We're going to get the temptation. That's inevitable. We need to pray for each other for encouragement, encouraging each other. We need to pray for those with emotional hurt, those that have lost um, spouses, those that are going through a financial stress, whatever other kind, a family member, something happening of a negative nature, praying for those with emotional hurt, with financial stress. We need to pray that we will remain faithful. When we don't pray, what that's basically saying is that we are self-sufficient. We don't need God. And that's basically a simple attitude. Uh, it's like announcing to God that we don't need him. We do need him. And when we try to do things our own way, it usually ends up in a mess. And sometimes we don't know God's way, but we need to stay faithful until he shows us what his way is. Uh, prayer reflects our dependence on God. It is wrong to try to right situations with only human resources. We need a lot of prayer during these next several months until a new man comes. We need to pray for the deacons. Not just myself, but each of the five deacons. And pray as we have become more involved in the administration of the church operation and businesses. Uh, that doesn't get us a new pastor, but we still have the work of the church going on. We have very capable staff, but there is still certain administrative things that now fall from pastor to deacons. We need to pray for clarity as we develop the process of calling a new, uh, new pastor. We've been working on that process for a number of weeks now. We're making progress. We have 250 plus page documents, uh, one a dissertation, one a published book uh, that are talk about how to call um, a new pastor to a Bible-believing church. They are becoming most helpful. Everything in them does not apply to our situation. Uh, we did not have a pastor that left in disgrace. We do not have a church in turmoil uh, causing a pastor to leave. Uh, we're not in financial crisis. Uh, thankfully, we're in good shape. We've got a lot going for us. Uh, but we still have to get all the ducks in order, so to speak, and get work out the clarity as we develop that process. And hopefully during this month, we'll have most of that finished up. But also the pray for organization, that we can stay organized as we carry out the process. 
as we finalize the applications. We're dealing with several versions of applications. A short one to weed out, obviously, men that wouldn't work in our situation. Uh, we have more detailed form that we're going to be using to, as we narrow down the type of other person that we want to come here to Open Bible. And then even a final setup that as we look toward the just one or two people that uh, we're three people maybe that we're finally uh, narrowing down the process. So organization as we correspond with uh, different pastors. Uh, we also ask for wisdom and spiritual insight as we evaluate uh, potential candidates. I am amazed how unified the uh, deacons are as we discuss sometimes even various answers and that even when there tends to be a little bit of uh, maybe disagreement and then another man will come in and say well what if we consider it this way and then suddenly we're all back together on the same page because some each one is giving their individual insight and each one of the men are helping that process but we're asking for wisdom and spiritual insight. We've already been in discussion with pastor. He shared out a lot of our former pastor. He shared out a lot of ideas already to the congregation. He's been even more specific with three, four meetings that he's had with the deacons. Uh, he's given us some potential names that we're going to be looking at the possibility of uh, cor corresponding to. We've been, uh, we've had some meetings and conversations with preacher on the same topic and with several other pastors uh, about potential candidates, leaders that maybe are older pastors, not necessarily ones that would be coming at candidating, but ones that have um, been around and seen what's going on. Uh, and that can, we are um, helping and we're going to be reaching out to some more in the future as well as reaching out to uh, some of the Christian colleges that we support and uh, for recommendations and um, in working with a number of names. But we're trying to determine uh, and also praying as we determine God's um, uh, direction to narrow it down to present the correct man that we believe should be the next candidate before the church. We're going to present a single man uh, that, and then the church congregation, according to the Constitution, will do the final decision. We'll have lots of information about the final man uh, when the time comes. But, and that goes into proper communication. We're starting out the transition communication today. We wanted to purposely say, well, why haven't you been talking about it? because we wanted to, um, the focus not to be on the transition so much, we wanted to, to be on pastor and what he had to say with us and his time. And now we're moving into this next phase. But we pray that as we administer the church, not micromanaging it, the staff pretty much knows what they're doing, but some of the things, may, there has to be some decisions made, but that we will have proper communication with the staff that we will have proper communication with the congregation. And that uh, if you're having questions, come see the deacons, uh, ask them. We'll soon have a format 
where you can um, be able to electronically ask some questions that you would like to have answered. Maybe you'll get an individual reply. Maybe we'll get an, um, a reply where I will share to the entire congregation because it applies to everybody. But we're hoping to keep the lines of communication open. One of the things we're not going to talk about is we're not going to talk about specific names and people that we're looking at uh, until the final man is uh, presented to the church. And you say, well, why? Because some of the men we are talking about already are in a church. If they don't come here and we're talking about them, we don't want the, their congregation to know that they're looking because that would affect their congregation negatively. So we're not going to talk. Um, we're, we also, if we're talking about a man that we don't choose to come here, where that, that's going to be, well, somebody said, well, that sounded like a good person or that sounded like a good person. With the way um, things travel, we um, don't want everything going out on Facebook about specific people. Uh, so, that, that, so keep in mind that don't ask questions like the, of, of specific people, general categories, the type of person that we're going to get, the, um, and where we are in the process, we will try to be sharing that with you. If by chance you stumble across a name that we have approached and somehow you got a hold of it because of a connection you know, that is not license for you to go put it out on Facebook or run around sharing that name that might be going to look at. Uh, keep it to yourself for the same reasons we're not sharing it for the congregation. We're not hoping that you uh, there. It's not It's somewhat of a secret, but it's not meant to keep stuff from you. It's to try to prevent, um, protect that person and their ministry and their ministries. So that if you stumble across it, keep it to yourself. Uh, hopefully you won't, but, uh, but we're trying to make sure we can communicate as much to you, but yet obviously certain things we won't on that. So hopefully you're understanding that concept. If you need more information or direct concern about that, let us know. But praying about that we'll have the right balance of proper communication. So praying for us as deacons. And um, with, that's one thing. And uh, several families have already told me that they have been praying for us as deacons. Uh, younger people in the congregation, older people in the congregation, and that's greatly appreciated. We need prayer to determine God's will. And you, you need to be praying for the next man, whatever his name may be, God knows, and uh, that will be, and it will definitely be influencing your life and the person. We don't want to rush the thing and just get a man to say we've got a pastor. We want to make sure we've got the right pastor and uh, the one that will serve God. And that the timing for him leaving wherever he is and the time for us to learn whatever we need to know between now and then. Uh, and the, the two hopefully will, will come together in a way that will be very positive for the cause of Christ. And in that regard, praying for our church leadership, the future leadership, the next pastor, his wife, if he has children or if they're um, still living at home, uh, and the transition from his current ministry to our, to our church. That's an important thing to be praying for because it's not just, it won't just be a transition for us, it'll also be a transition for him. 
he doesn't know your names. Uh, and you're only going to have to know one name. He'll be a different personality. Uh, and, but we're, he will be somebody that loves the Lord and will continue with the same spiritual emphasis of soul winning, of uh, outreach, of missions, uh, the same basic Bible characteristics that we are used to. We need to pray for Tyler. We need to pray for Rich. And we need to pray for Stephanie. Their world is different because they don't have a regular person uh, that they're looking to as boss uh, or as their superior. They have deacons. They have a group of men. I have been meeting with the staff most every week, uh, but I'm not here on a daily basis. Uh, we've met um, in where there's been other off um, individual meetings with staff and that we're trying as we try to work through even the transition of the staff to um, working with deacons and as we have communication with that. Um, hopefully that goes very smoothly but that's still a transition for the staff uh, and pray for them during their uh, time of tran um, transition. We need to pray for our two interns that will be here during the summer, a key part of the transition. You've seen a lot of Jordan. Uh, you might not have met David yet, but uh, David, are you here in the auditorium? Or is he working with the children's ministry? I think he's working with the children's ministry. So um, you'll get him, you'll meet him. If um, a tall college age type guy that you haven't met, that's David. <laughs> uh, he just showed up this past week and uh, I just met him for the first time this morning, right before the service. Uh, but uh, you'll de definitely be getting to meet him. But we need to pray for them as they're interacting. They're going to be able to be a help for uh, David primarily is going to be working with Tyler. And Jordan's going to be primarily working with Rich. But they will also be working together on some uh, um, soul winning projects as well. But uh, so encouraging those two young men. Uh, Pray for other men as well as our staff pastors that will be filling the pulpit on Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. Don't take the attitude of, I'm not going to show up because such and such is, pastor, is preaching. No, we need to pre-preach coming every single time. Each, I'm not pastor, okay? I'm not running all over the platform. Uh, I'm different. Uh, when Tyler preaches, he's not the same as Rich. Colin will also be preaching some. We will have some other guest pastors. Uh, but don't pick and choose. You're going to be on vacation. I understand that. But you say, well, I like this guy better. I like that one better. That's okay to say, think that. Don't run around sharing that with the congregation. Uh, because they might not have that same viewpoint. They might be opposite you. But we also need to be here to encourage each other. Uh, don't go to another church in the area during this summer. If you're out of the area on vacation, go to another church. But we need to be here faithfully. We need to be encouraging each other by our presence. And, uh, and praying for the, uh, the men that, that will be preaching. Uh, we also need to pray, and I alluded to this earlier, 
that we will be able to resist the temptations that Satan will use to divide us. Some of the things I've just talked about, we don't want to try to divide um, the deacons. We're not trying to divide the staff. We're not trying to divide this side against that side or different opinions or why aren't they doing it this way or why aren't they doing it that way or uh, it seems like they're taking way too long to get a candidate here. Uh, God's timing and we need to be patient with that. And uh, we don't need to create division. Satan will try to do that. But if you hear somebody talking negatively about something, I wish that this would be done differently, uh, start talking about the good things. Start uh, talking about the positive things of where the, what the church has done, the positive things of what's happening in the future. Uh, shift the conversation. Don't say, oh, I never heard that before. I wonder why that's happening. And that just feeds into the, um, it feeds into the temptation that Satan wants us to have. And uh, did, did you hear that such and such is doing this? And why is that the case? Go talk to a deacon. Uh, a lot of times there'll be a different side of the story. Uh, and, that, and, then that's, that, and that's where the, we'll have the framework set up for you to even email uh, very soon about questions. Uh, ask the questions. Don't bounce negative things off from each other. That's what Satan wants us to do. And that's what Satan's going to try to do to uh, focus on. We need to keep on focusing on uh, the ministry and saying faithful to God and doing what he wants us to do and hopefully growing the church during this time of uh, ministry. Adding new members, getting people saved, that's going to be the goal, same as it was in pastor, same way with tra transition. Uh, how long is this transition going to take place? It's only uh, one person or one God that knows that answer. We don't know. Uh, best guess, it's not going to happen in June. It's not going to happen in July. The chances are slim that it's going to happen in uh, August. Uh, but after that, I'm not sure. Uh, could be September, October. I certainly hope that we don't go too much past January, but, the, um, but we don't know. We've got to get the right man, we've got to get the right timing, and we're not going to race the thing. But those time, but you say, well, it's October, nobody's here, why can't those deacons get their act together? No, it's waiting for God's timing. We're not going to rush it when the right man and everything falls all together, then we will. And it is not because we're sitting here doing nothing. Uh, we have had a meeting almost every Wednesday night since Pastor announced it. We've had, I have had probably four, uh, probably close to at least six additional meetings um, about uh, dealing with a, ch a church business or transition either with an individual deacon or ta talking uh, with other uh, people. Uh, pray for us as well as the anything uh, of the deacons uh, with our balance because we still have full-time jobs. We still have wives 
and many people still have kids at home that want to see the deacons. So we're the, we're, that's a balance. That could go back into the idea of praying for the deacons. So um, it's, it's not, we're not sitting around, <laughs> but we're praying. And that's the important thing is you can help us with praying. But the next point we want to look at as far as um, under, with, is supporting our church family. We need each other. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 13.6, But do good, and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Teach and, uh, and instruct in Bible truths. That's not just coming from here, but we can teach each other Bible truths as people um, to help support our church family. You've sat here long enough to hear Bible concepts, and you can share them with each other, uh, and that helps. Take time for fellowship. Look and find people in our church that you can encourage to stay faithful. Our conversation in the church uh, with phone, uh, email conversation, Facebook text, Facebook text, encouragement cards, all different ways that we can encourage other people. Finding ways to be a blessing to other people. Not think, oh, that's for somebody else. No, that's for you. That's for me in trying to encourage each people. Follow God's leading when he prompts you to pray for somebody else. When somebody else's mind, when somebody else's name pops into your mind, that's not considered called a distraction. Most of the time, that's God putting that person in your, uh, their mind so you can pray for them. Whether it's in the middle of the night, or whether it's uh, in the middle of the day, or whatever. Uh, that's God prompting you to pray for somebody else here in the church. The third point we always um, talk with, Samuel reminds of the relationship to God's grace. Only fear, Samuel um, eleven twenty four. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he had done for you. Grace is defined as getting what you don't deserve. It's an essential part of God's character. It's closely related to God's benevolence, his love and mercy. It can be uh, defined as God's favor to the unworthy, God's benevolence on the undeserving. God is willing to forgive us and bless us abundantly. In fact, the, uh, that we don't deserve to be treated well or dealt with um, generously. Consider what God has done. Uh, the, the song that maybe many of you have learned over the years, count your blessings, name them one by one. That's something we can do. It's not just a song. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.10, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than uh, they all. But not I, but the grace of God which was with me. God's grace is always given to the undeserving. He gave us salvation. We should serve God out of gratitude and love, not out of fear of punishment or hope of reward. We love John uh, 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. 
Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. In life, change is inevitable. It will happen, it just as it for the life of the church, but it also happens in our personal life. Change should never be allowed to let Satan get a foothold in our lives. Now, I finish up the main part of this sermon with five unchanging principles about God and the work of God. Always consider the character of God. In the midst of change, God raises up leaders. Moses, Samuel, David, Nehemiah, Peter, Paul, and we could go on with many others in the list. But the, the character of God, there will be a leader. The Word of God. We thank God that we have a written Word of God that we can read and study. The key is read and study, not have the Word of God that sits on the shelf. Necessary life of faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a com uh, concept that's important in our salvation but also in how we live after salvation, how we live the Christian life. The greatest test is do we live what we claim to believe? And that will be tested over these next few months. Are we going to live how we claim we believe? Importance in obedience due to love. I obey God because I love God. We think of those that either have had children at home or those that have children. Why does a child obey their parents? Usually it starts with fear because they don't want to get punished. With consistency and being authoritative, the child obeys because they respect the parent. The ultimate goal, however, is to have children obey because they love mom and dad. And that is where we should be with God. Uh, we should not serve him because, uh, we should not just serve God because we fear him, although we should fear God. We should not fear God just because we respect him, although we should respect God. But the more mature believer obeys God because they love their God. And another point here importance of the family and the local church. When our families are strong, we can weather the problems that come into life. When our church family is strong, we can weather the changes that come into our life of our church. We need to work hard to keep our families strong spiritually, our relationships strong, and stay strong in our work for the Lord. Some of you may be here this morning some of you may be listening online, but possibly for some of you there is no relationship to God's grace because you do not have a relationship to God. The Bible also has, to has a clear answer to that situation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Realize that God loves you. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Realize that you are a sinner. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Realize that sin has a price, and that price must be paid. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, and yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins with his death. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Pray and ask Christ to be our Savior. All people are God's creation, but all people are not part of God's family. God invites all people to have a relationship with God. The decision to accept his gift of salvation is up to you. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done, is written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible, and then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below, click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.